This is the Weird is the New Black Show. This is, this is, this is, this is another episode of the Weirdest New Black Show. It's been a while, true, but I had to come back with uh, some heat, some hot shit, you know what I mean? That Hillary Clinton hot sauce in the bag, you know what I mean? <laughs> we out here just letting you know how black we are, cuz. <laughs> Super. But yeah, so today I'm chilling with my homie, actually I will say like one of my brothers for real, the homie... Super Sport Low, um, dope producer, DJ, photographer, you know what I mean? You name it, he can claim it. Jack of all trades, you know what I mean? Master of none, you know how the game goes. And, you know, my brother, he's been, he's been far. He's been far and wide, you know? So, it's dope that the homie can finally, you know, kick it with your boy after leaving the sunny-ass, beautiful-ass Los Angeles. And for you ignorant bastards out there, the city of Los Angeles, Actually, no, sorry. City of Angels. See, I played myself in that point. <laughs> That's what I get for being smacked on a Friday night, yo. I mean, you know, we. Uh, I got my own opinions on that, but I'm I'm not going to sit here and say I disagree with that first name. You feel me? A lot of a lot of lost folks out there. Boom. Definitely was one of them people in the beginning. But, you know, you figure that shit out. But, yeah, yeah. We, we in this thing. You feel me? He found his wings. You heard? You know what I mean? So, yeah, so the, the good brother here, we're going to discuss a couple topics. Um, things are definitely happening in the news. And just talking about our experiences as of late. So, let me break it down to how I met this brother. I was kind of fuzzy, too, so I may have been smacked back then, too. So, there it goes. So, I want to say it was like 2008, 2009, mm-hmm. when this uh, local rapper, you know what I mean? I guess he's local again. Uh, as a side, he had dropped the Flowers mixtape. And the homie here, um, who was going by MP the Guy at the time, he had produced a couple of tracks on that album. Uh, no, I came in towards the end. I only did one. You did one? Yeah, I did one. It was right towards the end. It was like a bonus joint. Did you do more than one joint on that one? Nah. I Damn, wish. dog. Because yeah, that shit is incredible. That's, that section was, for those who don't know, that section that I uh, that I played for the intro for, of my show yeah. What was the track I was referring to from the side joint? Yeah, that's that's the only one I got on there. That was super last minute because I had just met him right when he was about to wrap that project. And he was like, I need this on there right away. Did you do something on um Wednesday? Nah, Wednesday. That was like his whole, um, he just, he rhymed over like the Flying Lotus shit. That was like the five track joint? Yeah. Yeah, I heard that joint and I was like, all right, we're going to see where this goes. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you know, that's neither us either here nor there. <laughs> exactly. You know, that's because that's a, a whole different rabbit hole that I'm not going into, bro. Yeah. But shout out, shout out to Asad, man. Yeah, shout out to Asad. Shout out to the whole um, Noise Trip Studio click, man. Mel, Antid, um, Bueno, Ray Bueno, and Sophic, DJ Sophic, wherever you are, hope you're doing well. Ben was Ben was afterwards, right? Uh, he was there once in a while, but like yeah, he he was after Noise Trip. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Noise Trip um, was like a section that was in the Roots Studio. It was actually it was not it wasn't known as Roots Studio, but they recorded there was a home base. 
but Larry Gold. Back then it was Larry Gold. And um, Larry Gold had did some work on the um, the Kid Cudi album, too. It came out like that. The second one. Man, it was Man on the Moon 2, The Rager. I think it was a track called Rev, Rev of Ev that uh, Larry Gold did some work on. But that's besides the point. But anyway, that was his studio. The Roots had his space in there. And within that space, 2 and 5 Magazine had an office in there. And down the hall, and like to your right, down like a dark-ass hallway, bro, was um the noise strip space. Mm-hmm. But here's the ill part. So within the root studio, the space was before the noise strip space. Actually, no, no. It was a dark hallway. It was a door, and a door led into noise strip. But behind a big metal door was like the... The band space had like graffiti all over the walls, a marker, and a stripper pole with mirrors. Oh, yeah, bro. Yo, if you ever in Philly and you go to that studio, please look for your boy. You know what I mean? Legendary tag just in the middle of that motherfucker. Shout out to um, Working On Dying. I think they up in there now. But, yeah, you can see that shit in that room on the wall. MP to God. Got that tag off on that joint. Yeah, I got one up there, too. I, cause I went out and I bought a blink pen from uh, Advocates was still around. yeah. I got that blink pen. I'm gonna go up on this wall with this silver ass joint. But the problem was, I didn't have a. I, my hand was out. Was awful. You know what I mean? Like yeah. my, I tried to like do, do some cool shit in the wall. I'm like, this mm-hmm. shit just looks garbage, yo. But I'm sure it's been either recovered or like it's out there for display now. Still, it's been all after all these nasty ass years. <laughs> you know. But so, yeah, so let's um, talk about that. So yeah, we. I met MP um, towards the tail end at the release. No, no. I met you beforehand, but then I met you again at the release party. Yeah, I'm trying to remember where we met before, but yeah, because I remember we met somewhere else, but yeah, we're going to say the release party. Yeah, release party. But we know we met before that. Facts. <laughs> now, release party was at Raven Lounge, and Raven Lounge is off, off like uh, 17th and Sansom, I think, between 16th and 17th and Sansom, and we was just down there chilling, man, because I had the flower release party, and it was like packed, both floors. I ran into you on the first floor. We got that picture. He was wearing the blue skelly. I had my hair was like the, I had some kind of like fade hot top bullshit. I was trying to grow. Yeah, you got like a like fade into a Jerry curl some shit, yo. Yeah, it was it was quite moist pause. You know what I mean? It was. <laughs> yo, it was, this nigga had the Jerry curl, bro. It was ridiculous, bro. Um, but that's been my homie ever since. Like, I know this cat. I think now it's been like ten years now. Yeah, it's been a minute. Ten, eleven years now, and we go back. Me and this cat been through wars, yo. Not like me and him, no wars with each other, but like in our own lives, we experienced our fair share of like uh, roller coaster moments. And I think that's, but we always, it always happened for us around the same time in our lives, mm-hmm. which was wild for me, bro. I'm bringing up with my girl, he bring up, bringing up with his, or some shit going on with me on this side, going on with him on that side too. So I feel like that's how we had the bond of like, yo, this is, this is fan for life. You know what I mean? So, shout out to you, brother. Gia. <laughs> you had to get on my MCA, you know what I mean? Gia. Your MCA was that. It was the truth, man. It was just in here listening to Compass Most Wanted, vibing out to uh, Music to Drive By, and 8 was dope. Yeah. It was dope. That brother was incredible. I mean, he still is, yo. Yeah. He's so fire. He just got like the, I don't know, like the quintessential like West Coast, you know, old school, like, you know, low rider G funk like hood shit going on. I fucks with that. You know what I mean? Yep. It's weird because that's all I be listening to nowadays. It's just mad funny, but um, it's neither here nor there. Yeah, man. Cause I remember listening to like the 
I'm over here dropping shit. Hilarious. And um, we were just talking about like you know the, the the rappers back then in the '90s and shit. And like yo, there were so many like ill dudes who were popping, and a lot was on the West Coast. I feel like I'm a look. If you know music, then you know about Compton's Most Wanted. You know about MC8. Yeah, definitely. But like, if you're born after a certain age, it's like I feel like your knowledge of like West Coast rap may be limited. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's weird. Like as time goes on, the the key players are like who were pivotal in the scenes. They shift. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So at one point, you know, you looking at like, okay, it's like Egyptian Lover. Like he's like one of them folks, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like it shifts from there to like, oh, it's NWA. Then it's just like, all right, from them to like. Dr. Dre, Snoop Doggy Dog, then it shifts from like whoever's popping, like you start running to the soldier mischiefs and like mm-hmm. you know, people like that that's doing innovative things. And these people become like the staples at that point in time, but as time shifts, you know what I mean, you start to slowly see those people who were very pivotal and like the innovators, you start to see them not get ignored, but you know, they get less of a shine. And I feel like that shine should still be bright for a lot of people, especially eight, you know what I mean? Yep. And that, that stuff they was doing with Compton, or the stuff he was doing with Compton's Most Wanted, like, shit's incredible. It's very funky. Mm-hmm. You know, It people always try to give the credit to, you know, Warren G and um, what was the other group? The group that they got the whole way from. NWA? No, no, no. Um, damn, what's the name of that group? World Class Wrecking Crew? No, no, no. There was, like, um, with, with Willie Hutch's son in it. Lynch Mob? No, Lynch Mob. Not brother, not brother Lynch Hung. What, what was it? Damn, it's like right here. Hold up. I got it. On this All right, cool. Yeah, if you hear any meows in the background, it's my cat. I'm trying to bombard my entire like podcast, man. Shout out to the homie. Shout out to the homie cat in here, yo. You know what I mean? You chilling right there. Word up. Above the law. That's what Above it is. Above the law. My bad. It took me a second. I was looking at Jonah, but above the law, yeah. Yo, 187 them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cole 187 them. Yeah, because he was a ill producer too, yo. But like, yeah, they was definitely on that wave, you know. Like, Compton's mm-hmm. Most Wanted 8. It was on that vibe, you know, super funky. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it was way more funky than what NWA and them was doing. Facts. You know, so it's like, got to look at them folks and just hope that they could still get the shine that they deserve, you know. Yeah. Because, I mean, I'm with seeing all these new people come along and they kind of shift the narrative. Like, like, oh, this is what West Coast should sound like. Or, like, any coast, whatever. But, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people whose music definitely stood the test of time. Like, I hear stuff in a lot of this old school shit that I be listening to. Like, I'm just like, yo, people can't even fathom that kind of shit right now. And they was doing that on limited technology. Yep. Because it's a lot of the shit that people use now where they could easily try to do that. But it won't have the same effect because these people went through this crazy process. Yo, that's a whole other... <laughs> conversation yeah but incredible though yeah and i because i said that i marvel at it all because look at the cats now who are out there like the cool thing about west coast rappers in my opinion is that they hang on to, to, to like tradition pretty nicely mm-hmm. like this is just the sounds like i listen to like um g perico's problem by his projects and all that and i'm like yo this dude still understands the fundamentals of like the g-funk sound mm-hmm. or like how jay worthy approaches it yeah because Jay Worthy is a beast. If you don't know who he is, look him up. That, that section of, of, of artists, even like down to Blueface or Nipsey, like they keep up with their, their, where they come from and their culture. Yeah, like they just understand in order for in order to truly pay homage to where you come from, you got to keep a certain type of bop. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I feel like 
the people that are succeeding and it just feels like they're in their element and they're comfortable and it's like oh that's them that's their whole natural shit it's because they understand where this music came from for them and so they just kind of take that and they mold it and shape it into their own shit and package it for this generation which is what you should be doing right because it's like obviously if you of this time you're going to be down with certain shit it's going to be certain things that is happening now and here that you know older folks ain't gonna understand and that's cool but as long as you paying homage you know to both sides and you need to come to that space and be like all right cool i'm, I'm with it people are gonna respect it they're gonna rock with it i know i do because uh, people are just, i see all these memes and shit about blue face you know it's like funny shit you know something like he offbeat this and the third from the time i heard that dude i was like yo this motherfucker is incredible yo on like just for that type of music that's out there in la right now it's a lot of people trying to do that sound but they're not doing it to that level because on the, on the, here's a track called On, on the Dead Lokes. Yeah. And that style, the approach to it, to me, it was like, it was just refreshing. It was refreshing to me. Yeah, man. It was just like, yo, I, I watch people try to create that kind of energy on the record. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? You know, all these little, like, rappers and shit and people trying to come out now. They try to create that, but they can't get it because they don't have that understanding of who they are, where they, where the music comes from that they're trying to create. Like on top of that, I got this thing too. Like oh, most songs that I hear, if it got that bounce, I'm probably gonna fuck with it. But if it don't, I'm off of it. And that's why a lot of like new shit, I get it, I understand it, and some of it is cool. But mm -hmm. some of that shit, most of that shit, don't be having that bop. Like how I would like to hear some of it do. Mm -hmm. It be fire. You know, like there's this one kid uh, I be hearing. You know what I mean? He from Delaware. He's tight. Uh, Quaddy Diesel, fire. He got that bop. Mm -hmm. He understands, like, they got to have that bounce in order for that shit to be really universal, in my opinion. Because everybody loves, you know, they love to bounce and bop, you know what I mean? Even if you can't dance, you ain't got no rhythm, you still want to, like, dance to that shit because it's, like, it's a groove. You feel that. Mm -hmm. if, if these records don't got no groove, I'm not trying to hear that shit straight up and down. Like, Dude, listen, I can, I'll be vibing the thought to you on it, girls. <laughs> But I mean, low key though, that shit got a fire though. It got yeah. a little bounce to it, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? That's the, like the West sound. That's to me, it was the illest part about the West. I like about them versus the other coasts when it comes to music is that the old generation fucks with the new generation, mm -hmm. and it shows. Like, cause Snoop showed up to everybody new. You know what I'm saying? Like. He, you can see him in videos with, with, with Nipsey or like you see him out there shaking hands with like with, with uh, G Perico or other cats like that. Mm -hmm. And you know, like older dudes may rock with the younger dudes because like, yo, let me tell you something. I'll never forget this. I remember the first time I started listening to Kendrick Lamar's um, The Good Kid Mad City mm -hmm. and the track he had with MC8. And that beat chains over and A start going in. Dog, I'm like, this is what I'm talking about. Right. This is a marriage between both sides that you gotta respect. Or like how you heard Snoop on Kendrick's um what track what album was that? Uh The Pimple Butterfly. I think it was uh Institutionalized. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. It was like track five or some shit like that, right? Mm -hmm. Early on the album. But you had this this connection between both sides. And I love that shit. Like even how you see Dr. Dre embracing cast like Anderson Pot. Yeah. I mean, you know, we gotta be real though, you know. The album wasn't really where it should have been. Oxnard, yeah. I've heard better, but it's tight to see them coming together. Though. I fuck with that. That's just, that's the first album he put out under Dre, right? I mm, because yeah, I think yeah because Malibu was his joint still. Yeah, I don't know that. I don't know that whole situation really. So maybe it was. I don't know. Because he put out two albums. I know it's the first one that definitely sound like it got the Dre stamp on it though. Like, that one, yeah. 
Because the other ones, if they did come out under it, it was definitely his own little, his own wave, his vibe that he was on. I think before he signed to him. Especially, like, especially all that No Worries shit, man. Goodness yo, gracious. Yeah, so No Worries was his project with uh, with Knowledge, producer. And that shit was fire. Let's think of album he put out. It was like Venice, Malibu, then um, <coughs> No Worries, and then Oxnard. Oxnard, yep. Before that, he was going by Breezy Lovejoy. He put out all these different projects, like different joints. I heard like his range. So I, I fuck with him. Yo, that Breezy Lovejoy shit is is tight too. I fuck with that. Yo, he has one song. It's like Augustus, is like his dad. Talk about his dad being um a pilot. You know him dying young, whatever, going to jail and all that. This song might be called Drifter. It was like a real like low key joint. It was it was fire, man. I love that project. But yeah, like we got all that. So I got a question for you, man. What's up with it? This is the reason we talk about West Coast hip hop and all that as an introduction. By the way, uh, shout out to the uh, the Funky Homo Sapien too. Yo, legend, legend, legend one of my favorites, bro. man. Legend, dumb fire. And I'm like, yo, all, the, all this like shit you see, like all this super like earthy, like super bohemian shit that you see motherfuckers trying to do. Like you got to give that brother some credit, bro. All of it, bro. Yeah, he was do- he was doing it on some real raw shit. It was very natural and like authentic, man. And it was it was like funky too. All that shit, man. Cause dude, I never seen a rapper with a septum piercing before him. Or a lip piercing, like other piercings before him. Before he, he did like that. He don't get credit for it. Like they always try to throw it at like people like Andre three thousand and shit. Which I mean, yeah, he definitely he did it too, but he, he went in a whole other direction and I fuck with that too. Yeah. But Dell, Dell is that nigga. He's the, like the first one. That's without without Dell, Andre couldn't Blossom in the way he did. We gotta keep it all the way real. Facts. You know what I mean? So it was Dell, man. Cause look, and like Dell making that appearance on that Gorillas joint, Clint Eastwood. I was like, yo, yeah, man. Like what? Love that shit. You know? Yeah, man. But um, so yeah, dog. Here's, here's, here's the thing, bro. You're from so how, from what I know about you, you got fam in New York, right? Mm-hmm. But you're from Delaware. From New York. From New York, but you lived in Delaware. Lived in Delaware. Lived in Delaware. And I know you like you spent time up here in Philly. You went to Temple for, for a while. Yeah. You know, you're up, up in New York every once in a while. You lived up there for a minute, too. Mm-hmm. So, my brother, how did you end up in L.A.? Uh, L.A. came after a long um, run of living in different places and just kind of getting used to the um, fact that I could just pick up and move anywhere because my pops, you know what I mean? He was in the Army and shit. And so, you know, we moved to different, you know, places. And mm-hmm. so it was never, like, um, difficult for me and my brother, you know, to kind of be on some moving shit. You mm-hmm. know, my family, you know, my mom and uh, dad and all of us, we got this, like, joke. Because, um, like, my parents, they split, but they were still cool after that. So they had just had this running jokes. My mom always be moving and shit. Be like, yo, you want to run from the feds or something? Like, you want to run from the FBI? That was always, like, the starting point of a conversation when we see each other. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just laughing and shit. But um, for me, I ended up in L.A. because I needed, like, you know, I was trying to get, like, a new peace of mind and just get something different. And, again, like, going back to my background, I ain't had no reason to feel tied to a certain place. So I just kind of was like, all right, let's do it. Um yeah, that shit has been quite the learning experience, I will say. But that's how I ended up in L.A., just wanting to move and just, like, kind of on a whim, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of things I felt like was, you know, aligning at the time. Definitely seeing more opportunity. I feel like 
with the things I wanted to do, like with music and just photography. So I was like, all right, cool. You know. Yeah, because I've seen what you've been doing photography-wise. I mean, cause I knew with music, girl, you were always dope, you know. Because every single beat this dude has made that he sent my direction, I have. Like, in, like I'm kind of ill-ass archive on my hard drive, you know what I mean? Like, talking about for years and years. So when you say it's photography, because I know you told me that you did photography for a while back in the day. Yeah, like when I was in high school, bro, I just, you know, uh, my school, they built a fucking you know whole darkroom situation in there and they had like a photography um course whatever that you could take and so i was just like one of the first people that jumped on that john and that was like my introduction to film mm -hmm. you know because we were shooting straight film all black and white stuff that was the focus of the class and this is like all right i had never i didn't know anything about this all i knew was like them little um little kodak joints that you could go get developed real quick you know what i mean point and shoot point yeah. and shoot joints like that's all I knew. Mm. I didn't know there was like all these different type of you know cameras and shit you could fuck with. But yeah, it was just like from there, I just always kept it in my head like I want to you know just do photography shit. So I would experiment stuff. I would experiment with a lot of different stuff, um, a lot of different cameras. Um, shout out to my homie Jordan. So when I met him, you know he was fucking with the cameras and shit too. So we was both kind of like Word. yeah yeah like people don't be knowing like uh, shout out to my homie um, Jordan. You know, my nigga Ashley. Yep. He um Yeah, he's a real ill photographer and he, he don't realize how much shit he taught me about like perspective and just looking at certain things like you know, he's one of like the first people that kinda introduced me to the like the possibilities of using the fish eye lens, which is some shit I always was fascinated with, but I didn't you know, you just don't know what you could shoot or like what you're capable of doing, you know, but that's really just a matter of you simply trying. But you know, I was able to try all that stuff with him. Mm-hmm. We would just hang out. He would just shoot shit, and then from there it just kind of like blossomed even more for me because I started getting a hold of like different cameras on my own and appreciating it again after being away from it for you know such a long time. And um, yeah, I would say like probably 2017 is when I really was like, all right, I'm about to take this shit seriously, you know, because I'm seeing a lot of things happen from it. I'm getting a lot of results. Like I spent 2013 through like 20. 16 just capturing like a whole bunch of different artists and stuff that i was able to be around and just hang out with and i was like i don't know this could be some shit for me because i'm just like yo i meet all these people and i got these unique experiences with them there's always some story tied to what image that i'm taking mm -hmm. so i was like you know i'm gonna just take advantage of that and um it's crazy because yeah like being in la now i'm seeing all these things happen like tenfold now every time i go out somewhere and meet somebody we have these crazy experiences and I just end up capturing a photo of them or somebody allows me to like be in a space and just, you know, vibe with them and just capture the moment if possible. Yeah, it's been kind of going with the flow, bro. Mm. That's uh, Yeah, that was hella long with it, but I don't care. Y'all need to hear all that shit. Yeah, because it gets to the point and describes everything, man. So that's ill. So you go through these moments of creative realizations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Exactly. That's exactly what that shit is, man. So I remember I had like similar things. With me, it was always bouncing back and forth between different ideas, like you know, like photography and taking pictures just to do it, and then you know, like writing and just like doing like the podcasting was always something that was there to keep my attention. You know, I feel like I grew. Different parts of me grew as I grew with different crafts. You know, like the time when I was doing uh, being a photographer, like just trying to figure out life. As I knew it, 
for myself then. You know what I mean? As somebody who was like out of, out of college, you know, out of a job that he hated. Because I hated my fucking job. I ain't going front. Like, I worked at that, uh, that investment firm up in the main line. You know, it's the time it took to go home and to get there was like hours and hours and hours. I wasn't happy with it. Dang, you came out on some super corporate shit, bro. Yeah. And because I didn't know what else to do, bro. Like, I came out of college. I had a degree in communications. I'm like, cool. You know, I, I paid for this name. You know, it was an expensive school that I went to. And I'm like, okay, cool. All right, hopefully, uh, you know, people see this, see this, like, this degree that I got and put me to work somewhere I can, you know, actually grow. And it was nothing. Like, the first job I got out of school was at Best Buy. You know, I was Lawrence, nigga. I was Lawrence. Hey, oh, man. Know. We all been there, bro. Facts. Like, I, I know I have in life. We have all been there. Oh, man, I don't got my shirt no more, yo. I had my Lawrence Hobbs shirt. Nigga. nigga, I was at Best Buy for like two weeks. I didn't even get a shirt because they had this whole thing. You don't get the shirt until you pass some weird shit on the floor. I didn't even get past that point, nigga. Dog, that was for me too. It was like, listen, I, I had a shirt that I had. I couldn't get the, the actual blue shirt. Yeah. Until I had like, I earned the shit. Bro, it was like, that was too intense, man. I was like, damn, bro. I'm like, I'm just trying to work. <laughs> I ain't trying to do all this extra shit, bro. You know how I got my shirt, cuz? Tell me what you did, my nigga. Dog, listen. I was because we had to wear white shirts, white short sleeve shirts, white long sleeve shirts. I had short sleeve. Then. Wow, they did at the joint I was um, was at. We had to wear like black collar shirts. Black collar shirts. Yeah, yeah. It was, like some weird. Sh- Yo, it felt like a whole hazing process. Mm-hmm. It was felt very intense. I wasn't trying to fuck with none of that shit. But just know, we have all been there. We've all been there, dude. My white shirt. I, I went to Chick Fil A. It was in the same lot. Real we got food from Chick Fil A. What happened? The fucking barbecue sauce got on my shirt, yo. <laughs> barbecue sauce in a white po- white polo shirt is a, is like is a death thing, man. Yeah, they did you wrong, man. Yeah, they I, did you wrong? Cause I was eating the sandwiches, man, and like it dripped out the sandwich. I was like, shit, man. I said, yo, I need to get the different shirt. Okay, we got one for you. What was it? It was the coveted blue shirt, man. Oh, where? With the art, with the uh, the best buy joint on there. So I was re- I was wearing that shirt down there every day, washing it, of course, and funky dude. You know, I was like washing the shirt. You know what I mean? Wearing it to work. I was like, yeah, man. Like, I'm one of y'all now, man. I'm one of y'all now. It was like, I had to be here for like 90 plus days to get that shit. I got my shit in like 30 days, bro. Because I, I knew, like, yo, God said, yo, my son, let me pour this barbecue sauce in your shirt. So you can go out and you can boss up and get you a blue one. Yo, that's so turned up, man. I'm like, yo, man, I couldn't, I couldn't do it, man. I made it two weeks. I got one paycheck. And I was out of there. I had a bigot for a boss too. I mean, you know, most times I I just don't imagine a person that managed a fucking Best Buy to be, you know, like a fucking humanitarian, bro. I just right. imagine some kind of scumbag. You know what I mean? It's either like they racist or they power hungry or a combination of the two. That's like, I don't know. I felt that vibe working there, so I was kind of like, I'm good off y'all niggas, yo. Like y'all could have this shit, yo. I got I got I felt like that was one of the ones like I hate. To be one of the people, you know what I mean? Be like, I'm thankful for any opportunity I get. But I was like, yo, this shit is definitely beneath me, yo. Working at this nut-ass Best Buy, yo. It's like, been, look, dog, it's been seven years. I can tell you the story, right? Past the statute limitations. Fuck it. So the the one dude, he was like a, you know, he was a, like a huge Republican dude. Like, he was like loving Bush and shit like that, right? And this is like 06. 
He was like, you guys don't understand why, you know, you should support Bush when you have a family. I'm like, right, whatever, yo. Like, we here on a Saturday with these funky-ass donuts. What are you trying to tell us, yo? <laughs> so, like, it came down to it. <laughs> Facts. It came down to it. And, like, 2006, holiday season was arriving. And the, season, and the rule was, like, yo, listen, when the Nintendo Wii's come out, it's when the Nintendo Wii was out, B. You know? It's like when Nintendo Wii's was out. He told people, listen, you can't stash ones for yourselves. If you want a Nintendo Wii, you have to get in line and get one like everyone else does. Because if you worked at Best Buy, you didn't get no special privileges. Oh, that's turned up, man. He was hating. It was hating. So he told his employees this shit, right? What did he do? Stash two, yo. He stashed two to the side. Somebody ride on him, and he wound up being in trouble for that shit. See, man. That's what you get. I'm not with the scams, yo. That's the theme, man, for fucking 2019. I am not with none of the scams, bro. Niggas can have that. All right, let's talk about something that's near and dear to you and me both. You and I, I should say, proper English on this improper-ass podcast. Um, It's the fact that you and I both come from the culture. You know, we see how... Music has changed. We've seen how art has changed. We've seen how various movements come and go. So, as a creative, what keeps you like? What keeps your eyes open? What keeps your mind going? What you mean, like in general, different? Yeah, cause I mean, cause Dick, like, okay, so boom, you come, you were DJing, you were, you produced, you know, you do photography, and like, you know, you come up in you know, New York, Delaware, Thompson, Philly, in L.A., people that you met. The experiences that you had, like, what motivates or pushes your creativity? Like, what, what really drives you? Do, do you have certain days to look outside and you're like, okay, okay I know what I want to do now? Or do you read a book that's like, okay, I know what I want to do now? Like, does inspiration hit you at various points in times? Like, how do you find yourself being creative? Um, I think the best creativity comes through... The best creativity comes through different periods, man. Like, for me, in my life, I think it was always through love and sadness. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, when you're in love, you create differently. You know, you're able to express more. Everything is, I don't know, you can you can definitely map out things. You can detail a lot more when you're in love, you know? Mm-hmm. I felt like some of the best photos I ever took in my life was when I was in, you know, love with, you know, a woman who I really cared for. And, I, you know, mm-hmm. we were just riding for each other. I think that for me also I've been in those spaces you know where major sadness has come and most times it'd be tied to like a breakup or something like that but those periods are just like you have to embrace those as well because the way you think and the way you move and it affects how you're able to push out certain things like for me I made a lot of different um projects when i was like super sad and even one point when i felt like i was really depressed you know what i mean like there was a project that i put out in i think it was 2012 uh my homie Troy was like yo you should do like a b-tape situation put it out blah 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 we'll push it and at the time you know you had like the platform from like you know rocking with the side and shit so people was paying attention and i put out this whole like instrumental project and it was called like honor mode and that was all, a dope joint too, bro. all that shit just came from a place of sadness, man. Like I was really upset about a lot of things. I was watching my friends go through a lot of things. I was in Philly, you know, I'm living in Philly at the time. And, 
yeah, that should just fueled a lot of like the music that came out, and I just had to express it in that way. And I, I think that project, you know, the response that I got from it, the little situations that it popped up on, like you know, popped up on like little, they get like two dope boys and shit like that, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that kind of shit, it let me know that all right, you have to embrace these moments that you're in, and that just being able to embrace those moments. That were that I was experiencing, it fueled my creativity and it made me want to push harder, mm-hmm. and do a lot of things that I never thought I'd be able to try. And I feel like every time I find something new like that, you know, I always just kind of stay in that mode, and it always ends up coming to me. So just seeing those results happen over and over again, watching me talk things into existence, man, that shit definitely fuels my creativity as well. Because mm-hmm. like I want to, I want to see more of it. I want more abundance, more peace. You know, more life. I fucks with all of that. I needs that. <laughs> I hope that answers your question, man. For did, real. It answered my question, then it created a question at the same time. So you have the idea, we talk about wanting the best for ourselves, like the more life, the more experiences, the more, more of everything that can pretty much put you in a positive space, healthier things, healthier like. I want to say healthier, like healthy variables mm-hmm. that occur in your life. And I remember, I think uh, you and I were sitting at the, we were at a Mexican restaurant in Northern Liberties, and we think we were discussing like auto mode, because it's, it's during the time like when the shit was going down with the with the peoples, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And like it was like a whole like aftershock, and you were like in your zone, and you created that vibe. I think it was right before I moved away. To New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. We were sitting there talking, and I was like, man, like, it's amazing how many times, like, we've been humbled by by life and what what we've done in response to, like, the humbling moments. You know, like, you're creating these projects, and you're doing this, you're doing that, and, like, I don't know what, like, my issues have forced me into, like, whether I was writing on blogs or doing, doing, taking the camera out. It was like, life had always made me deal with things in a creative way. Because I couldn't be like them cats who was like, you know, like, fuck you up and turn to drugs. It wasn't me. You know what I mean? It wasn't how it was in my family. You know what I mean? And I know it's how people can't, everybody can't say the same thing because you can see, look around, you know? Yeah, you definitely can see that shit, man. What? But that's a whole other conversation. Facts. Superbly. But, I don't know, man. I just... I'm yeah, just I think it's grateful to like experience that shit, you know? That's fucking nutty, bro. It is. It is. I mean I've I've seen like some beautiful minds, man, be damaged by like too much lean or popping pills and shit and just yeah, man. losing it. Yeah, some of the homies, bro, damn. Yeah. It's a lot of folks, man. Facts. And especially I think 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 of the homies, man. I just I don't know, like that's that's one of my life's blessings is like understanding that yo, you have the opportunity to turn like your like your sorrow, your melancholy into something that's that's dope. Yeah. You know? Like the the whole podcast shit for me, man, is like it's it's therapy. Everything. It's like everything that I do, man, it would taking photos, man, and like sharing it with friends or like writing on my blog, whenever I, I get a chance to write on it. It's like it's just it's a release. It's release, and like I never do any of what I'm doing for, like not for financial gain, but like I'm not doing it for any ulterior, ulterior motives. You know what I mean? Like it's an expression of me, my genuine expression. You know who you're talking to. You know who I am as a human being. 
that's what it's all about. Like trying to leave some kind of some kind of legacy that's out there for people to can, can listen to years from now. You know, just to be able to understand, like, yo, I want to give a bit of value to my existence. Yeah, I hear that, man. I mean, you know, I think for me, man, I'm just on some shit like, you know, I, I definitely want to be able to use what I got going on to provide for myself and my family as much as possible. Right. And I'm like, I know I got all these things I could do. I got like hella talents and shit. You know, I've been, I definitely could say that now as like, you know, being a certain age and all these things on the bent. I'm like, I know there's a lot of things I could do, a lot of shit that I'm like talented at. Mm-hmm. I would never question that again in my life. So I'm just trying to use all those talents and provide in, you know, the best way that I can. And I know there's a lot of things out here meant, you know, for me to have. Mm-hmm. So I'm taking my time with it, but I'm also, you know, hustling too. You know, I'm, I'm kind of coasting, but it's like it's like a it's like a little rapid coast, you know. Mm-hmm. It's very smooth, but it's still fast paced. I'm just I'm out here I'm trying to get it. I think that um, yeah, life, man, life is gonna find a way to work out for all of us in this thing, and I'm excited for that shit. So I'm like, yo, cool, let's get it. Yeah. Like it's like, as I've grown, you mentioned something about age, and with age, has come a lot of wisdom for me. Yeah, man. Yo, life and experience is the best teacher. Yo, real shit. That's it. And as much as I can say that now, like happily, even though you know you, you've gone through some things, and I mean you experienced a lot of whatever, like all that shit is worth it, man. Mm-hmm. I'm appreciative of all of that. I need that. <laughs> you know, obviously you want to find you know you want to fine tune it to get it to where it's like you know it's cool, there's no issues and it's still like a situation. But you know, life is crazy like that. You never know what's coming your way, even when you think you got it all mapped out. So I'm with I'm with it, man. We, we rolling out here. That's it. Cause I always see these stories, man. Like I always tell people that the reason reasons why I kind of like dislike celebrity now is that all you see is the finished products. So many people assume that that they can do that shit overnight. And when something doesn't go their way, they quit from it. They're like, fuck it, man. This ain't worth it. And X, Y, Z. But that's the thing that I wish that people could see more of, like, people's grinds out here. You know what I mean? Like, step one, like, see the years and know how, know how it feels to stick with something that you love, no matter how much you feel rejected by the world or by your peers. Like, sticking to your guns and letting life happen. You know, people. I feel like everybody wants to be in control of some shit when it comes to like their creative pursuits. Like people say, "Oh man, I'm trying to have an album out by like by this year and do this by that year." But if your album isn't finished by that year, or you're not able to do what you're doing, you think you're think you're a failure. But you know, life happens as it happens. You know, we can't control the uncontrollable shit. And I think that's the main one of the things I had to like learn as I grew up. It's like, yo, there's things out here that I can't control. There's things out here, yeah, I can have a goal, I can set the pace, but if something doesn't go my way in this direction or in that direction, I shouldn't like throw my hands up and be like, fuck this, I'm done with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it takes people a while to get to that place, you know what I'm saying? Yep. So, you know, it is what it is. I remember reading stories about, like, Cat's uh, Bill Withers. And see how my man was a fucking, he was a janitor, cuz. You know what I mean? Singing, he could sing his ass off, but you know, he, he had a job taking care of bills, bro. Yeah, man. 
you made it happen. You know, like, I, and I, that was the lesson I had to, like, hammer into my head about, like, there's no real such thing as an overnight success. Yeah, I mean, you know, you would think otherwise, you know, with this this new wave of things going on, because it literally can be overnight now, but yeah, it's still like, it's like crazy now, because the overnight success, as fast as it comes, it goes just as fast. Right. You know I mean? Like, it's a lot of people you see in social media stars and all kind of weird shit like that, you know, here today, literally gone tomorrow. Like, dude, remember that dude, Boom Gang? Yeah, your man's, yo. So turn. Boot Gang was doing the absolute so much out here. Yeah, man. Like, I don't know, man. You've been quiet now because Takashi took his place. It was like, like, Boonk is like Bizarro World Soldier Boy, bro. Like, he's turned up. Like, it's the weirdest. Like, I don't know. That was just, it was, it was odd. I was like, yeah, just seeing all that stuff pop up. And I'm just mad that I even know what any of that shit look like or who that is. I think the first initial joint I seen was the shit he did in the Dunkin' Donuts, right? Where he was screaming like Boom Gang or some shit. And he, he stole the donuts or some yeah, weird shit. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Mm-hmm. But everything else after that, I'm just like, whoa, this took a crazy turn. You know, and then when you think you've seen it all with that, then bam, the whole shit with, you know, with Bo happened. You know what I mean? I'm not speaking on that shit. I really don't want to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, we won't. But just the idea of just understanding, like, yo, what fame and this celebrity shit can do. Yeah, but again, even with that situation, that happened very rapidly too. You know what I mean? Some overnight <laughs> shit. Yep. And so it was just kind of like, okay. But that fall was twice as fast, dog. Yeah, I mean, again, it's like, yo, it's crazy, man. If your energy ain't right, why you in that situation? You know. That shit defied gravity. That joint just dropped. Yeah, wow. Facts, man. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think that, that a lot of things that I just had to grasp and understand is that I had to give myself some room. You know? Like, I couldn't be as hard on myself as I used to be. And that shit can be, that shit can wear you down in ways that you would never even, like, realize until, like, way later on in your life. And things that, you know, sometimes you can keep yourself from doing out of like fear or frustration you know like whether just taking chances taking risk like just being in your own head can just keep you from doing a lot of dope stuff meeting a lot of dope people yeah you know cause that's just a chance that I you know when I moved, moved, moved away the first time like yo I just took the chances to dive into the deep and see where I can go you know I look I wasn't sure if I was gonna float or not but I was like fuck it I'm gonna take, take this trip and see how it feels and for the time I was there, it was like, yo, it was like a breath in my lungs. It was giving me something new. I had new experience. Something I can take back with me when I came back home. Yeah. You know, it's like these things are like, what do they call it for NBA players? Like your, your career-defining moments. Yeah, man. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the thing about it. It's like in life, the age I'm at right now, it's like I feel like I have a bunch more on the horizon. I mean, that's a good place to be in. I mean, I feel like that too, man. I just really been thinking about all the things that I've been wanting to do for so long and just, you know, once you start pushing to them, it really start coming towards, you know, towards you in the way that you like because you got that energy mm-hmm. going in. I don't know. I just really realized, like, I just had to start talking a lot of shit into existence for myself because, you know, when, you, when you're in New York, like, when I was living in New York, I was, like, always, always felt like it was a fire under me and I had to do certain things, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, like, I needed that. It was, like, it felt like I was trapped in a rat race, Moving to LA kind of got me like, yo, I need to 
really be way more intentional with these things mm -hmm. and you know go as hard as i did in new york but do it for you know like straighten it out and get a version popping off out here in la you know like that kind of situation because it's easy to you know get to what you need to get to out there and get some bread mm -hmm. it's, it's been pretty smooth but yeah that showed me like you know yeah i don't know i lost my whole train of thought but yeah it's all good, man. We out here, my G. Smacked on a Friday night. You know, I want to ask you a question, and I'm going to just jump right into it. So what is your thoughts on toxic masculinity? I think that, well, I mean, I definitely think that there is such a thing as toxic masculinity. I will say that off top. Agreed. You know what I mean? And I could pinpoint a lot of different ways, you know what I mean, that mm -hmm. that could be the case. You know, I ain't about to get into all of that, but just know I think that it exists. You know, I think there's definitely tears of that shit for sure, but none of none of them are justified. You know, by people's actions and things that they do within it. You know what I mean? I don't know, man. I think that uh, toxic masculinity is one of those things that it, if you are tapped into it, which most you know, young men are definitely tapped into it at some point. You mm -hmm. gotta learn. You gotta unlearn that shit. You gotta find a way to do it, but do it in you know your own way. You know what I mean? Do it in a way where, like, people, I think that a lot of times with that tag, people don't allow people to live life in a certain way. Like, obviously, mm -hmm. a lot of people have situations and variables that affect how they live in their life. I get that. But, you know, if, if somebody, like, sometimes we just got to let life happen and the journey happen, especially, like, for, you know, young men. But also, if you somebody that's in a space where you know a young man who's going through a journey like that and you can see certain things happen, you know, you kind of, you should step in, mm -hmm. talk to that brother, you know what I mean? Like, holler at him, give him a little game, even if he, even if he ain't trying to hear the shit, like, just say it in a, try to say it in a way where you can, you know, leave some lasting impact, so you know, like, yo, certain things you shouldn't, shouldn't be doing, X, Y, and Z, like, that's not cool. I mean, you don't gotta be in no preachy way, like, just holler at him if it's some weird shit, but, mm -hmm. you know, that's also a dice roll, too, because a lot of these young bulls, they not trying to hear that, but that don't mean you should stop trying. You know what I mean? Like, that's another thing. Like, I got, like, a weird background, so I done worked in a lot of different places, and I think that the one place that made me really see that I, I need to, like, kind of change as a black man out here, you know, trying to, you know, be in love and be with a black woman. Like, I can't, I can't be, you know, going on this way. I can't do this anymore, you know? So, to answer your question, I think thoughts on toxic masculinity, it does exist. So levels to the shit. Yep. You know what I mean? And really, if you out here on your knowledge yourself tip, you'll find a way to, you know, figure out how to unlearn that shit. And, you know, approach masculinity in a way that works for you. It don't got to be, it's not all peaches and cream with masculinity. That's what I want people to understand. But, you know, as long as you try to lean more towards a way of life that's peaceful and positive, but you're still holding your own situation down. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you, you should strive to do it. You know, it's weird, man. People think you got to be, like, super, like, OD. Like, you got to be out here, like, just, you know, knocking this block off. The, you know what I mean? Like, that kind of shit. Like, toxic. You yeah. know, people think you got to be all on that to, you know what I'm saying, to right. be masculine. And I'm just like, bro, I, I feel you. If that's your environment that you came up with, God speed to you, bro. I hope that you can figure that out and find peace. But, it, like, situation got to change, man. That's not all of, you know, what it is. And I think that the focus a lot on toxic masculinity, like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so I remember thinking about it, like, all the things that happened 
for all the things that happened, uh, like in the news and I think about Terry Crews situation and like different things. Yo, Terry Crews, man, funny as shit, bro. That whole situation is funny. Yo, it's cause like since he's going him going through it in a backlash, yet he, he d- dealt with certain people. You know, when we backlash, people just voice their opinion on like what they would have done in the situation. And you know, you go on and like then like he's going at DL over some old Vlad TV joints, and then you got you know because he's catching flack because he was defending someone who made disparaging remarks about well, black women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and you yeah, know he was trying to say like it was um him trying to deflect from that. That's why he brought the the uh, interview up and all of that. I was just like, yo, all of this shit is crazy watching this play out. I'm like, for real, bro. Hmm. Like, I don't know, man. I just that whole Ted Cruz thing is just funny to me because I'm like, man, we we just really don't know like what we were doing in that situation. Everybody's right. response is gonna be different. Like I don't know that man's financial situation, and we just saw that weird shit where Steve Harvey was talking about like, you know, he'd be doing, you know what I mean, like doing for integrity, yeah, yeah, for, yeah like that. He shit. has a price tag. Yeah, right. we don't know people's situation. People out here thinking like like Steve Harvey with that nut ass shit. So I'm like. If that's what that man was trying to do, then Godspeed to him. But for for like DL or somebody to be speaking on what they would have done and saying some weird shit, like he said some real weird, unnecessary shit, bro. Like I was like, you don't got to be going in like that. For him to say that shit, I'm like, yo, man, you you doing too much. You focusing on the wrong thing, homie. Like, just you can't. Why are you speaking on that man's situation, bro? Yeah, he said the guy was like a Hollywood agent. He said in an interview, it's not funny, but I'm gonna laugh anyway because it's silly. He was like, yo, um, I'm not going to let you uh, molest me and then send me an invoice. Like, Wow. <laughs> yo, that's so turned up. It is. It's like, it's that's like. Fucking turned. It's like, what? Right? But I don't know. Because I think about, you know, the situation and like you're being on, you're on stage. Or not on stage. Like you're in a party and like you're with your, your wife and this guy just does that to you in front of your wife and and you know you have these moments in your head where you're like you're in shock because like okay, what because you, can, you can't you can't beat his ass you can do all that and lose your job and be blackballed in hollywood or you do what, what he did which was like the smart smarter move i mean I, honestly i'm just like bro i mean whatever you like he once that happened for him he definitely got that guy out of here so i'm like the end result was that the person that you know, did whatever to him. They got what was coming to him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's where I'm at with it. When these things happen, just take it for what it is, bro. Because I'm like, I don't know what happened. I was not there with Terry Crews. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I don't know. But I do know that situations like that need to get resolved to show that, you know, motherfuckers could get some kind of results if something happened to them. That's where I'm at in life, man. Mm-hmm. Trying to see everybody get, you know, what they need. So they could be straight out here, bro. Yeah, that's, no lacking, man. That's the type of life, like tip I've been on. You know what I mean? Get what you need. If we try, if we can't get those results for you, then you know we tried, cool. But be at peace with what happened. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but um, you know, Terry Crews, man, talking about he was slapped the shit out of DL. I laughed. I thought that shit was funny. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, yeah, man, if somebody gonna say some weird shit, press they line. I'm with that. I'm with that energy for sure. 
And I think DL, I was watching, I mean, I was looking at the responses or whatever. You know what I mean? I, it's weird how much information niggas retain. Like, I hate it. Mm. I hate it. But that always ends up happening. But I'm looking at this shit, and I'm like, yo, Terry Crews, man, he not like, like you know, for all the stuff that was going down and DL saying whatever, Terry Crews was like with the smoke, bro. Like, he was really trying to press DL on, dog. And it was like, you know, DL started switching up quick. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's the type of... I don't know this whole like speculation i don't know just i don't know i'm cool i hate all of this shit man <laughs> i really hate it all i hate it all so much i just be in my own little world my little zone man mm. i be listening to like fucking funk and soul that's my lifestyle now i don't listen to anything <laughs> that come out past 95 you know it's like from 69 to like 95 in those spaces you know what i mean mm-hmm. even in and out of that because I'm just like I I don't got time for it man If it's not line, If it's not in line With that shit mm-hmm. Or it's not in line With some music shit Some photo shit I ain't trying to hear it <laughs> Really not trying to hear it Right You know But I think the reason Why I think it's The reason why I think about it Is like I'm, I'm seeing how The world is changing Around me You know Like I'm seeing that People are becoming more aware Of certain issues Yeah At the same time People are becoming like OD out the ass With certain issues too Like I feel like it's important to be to moderate yourself and your and your pacing when it comes to like these topics. You know, when certain things happen, to truly understand what it is and what it means and how it affects you, versus like trying to be the loudest person in the room screaming your views out when like you're not really saying much. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Which is which is what social media is. Motherfuckers can write 140 plus characters filled with like anger and outrage, but it's like, what's that going to do? What, what what problem is that fixing? I mean, you know, I think that there's definitely I've seen that fix a lot of problems just on like immediate levels. There's definitely a, a way for it. You know what I mean? It works. But I think that sometimes people have um certain misguided approaches with certain scenarios that need a little more than just that push, but social media Exactly. Social media does help a lot. Like I've seen a lot of people you know, saw some real life problems on that motherfucker, you know what I mean? like, which is crazy to me, mm-hmm. especially through like Twitter and weird shit like that, you know, like seeing it's like the funniest shit that I'd be seeing, you know, mm-hmm. it was like people will find out somebody did some like um, racist shit or whatever that is like super like fucked up. There's always like some fucked up shit. Like barbecue belly and people like that. Yeah. And then they'll find a way to get to these people's job and like, you know, start reporting all the weird shit they're doing and get them fired. Like, you know, I think all that shit is funny, man. <laughs> I, I love all that shit, man. I live for that kind of shit, bro. But and I got, got what your point was with that. But, like, so, yeah, like, yeah, people who are out there who are actually going for calls and speaking on other things that make change happen, right? Yeah, I mean, it works. It works. But there's also, like I was saying, there's just, like, this other side to where people think with certain situations that are, like, major, mm-hmm. you know, as much of a push as there is on social media, like there needs to be that push, like in you real know, life, in, in real life, like in the right. streets. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and yeah. I think the, a lot of the um, times we saw that where they actually balanced out in the way that they should have, but it was also it was like very positive, but it was also detrimental on the side. We saw that with like Ferguson and like Mike Brown and shit like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like that situation, watching that play out on social media and then seeing everything that's happening in real life, or like the protests and then what they tried to call a riot which i'm just like it's you know it's not that's not what that situation was you know what i mean definitely was not no riot. No. it was like people targeting black folks but yeah yep. it's like 
<laughs> you know what I mean? That's a whole other situation. It's a darker, deeper criminal link, as they say, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so like. A lot, lot going on, but, you know, yeah. I think that in situations like that, you know, there needs to definitely be that balance between them or else things could spiral out of control, you know? Because I think that was when Black Lives Matters was like came into fruition, right, Ron Mike Brown? I'm not even sure to be honest. Yeah, mate. I, I mean, from when I, when I saw, like, things yeah. pop off for real, for real, I feel like it was, like, yeah, I think, Mike okay. Brown. Because that's when, like, they were, like, when the riot hit Ferguson, yo, that was, um, I'm not say amazing, like, that was some dope shit, but, like, it was just some wild shit to see. Like, remember old boy with the, um, who threw the, uh, the Molotov cocktail? Yeah, that, that image is stuck in my brain, bro. Like, I can't, I'm not, I can't ever unsee that. Did he pass away, too? I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the other weird shit too. It's like, yo, like all these stories surrounding that, bro. There's so much going on with that. Like, there's like a lot of those people who were pivotal and had those moments in those like situations where they, it was going up against the cops. Like, mm-hmm. all those people are turning up dead, bro. Like, that's turned up. Yo, let's go beyond D Ray and that blue fest. Yeah, man. I don't know. Yeah, bless you yeah. know, um, bless Godspeed to that brother, but you know what I mean? That. That's what's trash, man. Yeah. But yeah. You can't do the blue vest, though. Not at all. Not with everything, bro. I mean, out here, went to, went to the freaking awards with a suit on with a blue vest yeah. on. Yeah, nah, that's not how we rocking, homie. We're not, we not in support of that. Nope. We 